0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome into Unscripted on a Monday night. It is August 28th. My name is Andrew Spade. I am joined by a special guest tonight. Uh, he's joining us from the future. It's Tuesday where he is. It's Jack Duffin. How are you, Jack? I'm good. Um, I was
1: hoping we would be a little bit nearer to a 53 by now. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, we're moving in the right direction. I don't think we've really had. We had one crazy move today that mm-hmm. turned out to be less crazy once we learned some more, but um, n- nothing really contentious
0: at this stage. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty tame. I think all the big decisions are yet to be made, right, over the next 24 hours, uh, less than that, the next 21 hours. Uh, the cut-down deadline is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Uh, that's the time at which everybody has to be down to 53. And the Browns are at, I'm doing this math in my head, they are at... 74 is that right 72 on my list okay all right all um, right the done yeah okay and then so because they cut three today or four today and then they added hopkins
1: yeah so k york's gone right um, york wes yep. martin's okay. gone right right um drew forbes has gone onto the. the yep. nfi list mm-hmm. and there was somebody else done done and yeah. um, the bizarre one, uh, the one I cannot understand, hasn't been announced yet, is Michael Woods.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there any? So, uh, wh- just while we're talking about that, just off the top, and and so, like, to give people a, a kind of a breakdown here, Mike is, uh, Mike is busy uh, tonight, so he's not available. Um, I think we'll have more details on kind of what our season uh, lineup is going to look like coming uh, forward in, in the near future. Um, until then, you know, we're going to kind of make things work on a day-to-day basis. So Jack is joining me. Obviously, Jack is not sleeping because he's so excited about the 53-man roster uh, being announced and all of the, you know, you don't want to miss a thing, right? So it's got to feel strange for you to go to bed when you know that there's a chance that big news could still break in the evening. So, um, So we're going to talk roster tonight. So any questions you have? Anything you would like to know about the roster, uh, pop it in the chat. We will get to all of your questions. Thank you to Kevo for subscribing. I've already seen a uh, uh, a question, a super question, I believe it's called, a super chat from Jack McCurry that we will absolutely get to. Uh, but you mentioned Mike Woods, and I want to ask about Mike Woods because it's an Achilles, so there's no chance he's coming back to play, right? Because it was, it was April or May, right? There's no way. That's like a solid 10-month recovery. Uh, so he's got to miss the season. Is there any chance that it's not considered a non-football injury? So it, it's a non-football
1: injury because it happened outside the facility. Right. And, okay. And it could be, say, Deshaun Watson. Mm. It would depend. There might be some extra language around his. But if he got injured outside, say, say at that sort of training camp that they had down in wherever island they went, Right, non football injury Mm -hmm. Browns could be like, Hey, we're we're not paying you this year, right? Um, that's not our problem, and it's why when you see some of these players jet off to places around the world to train, if they Mm -hmm. did it in the facility, they're safe. Um, James, I want to say, was sort of the most recent that's right. Um, the Broncos, I think it was, just walked away and was like, Yeah, we're good.
0: That was last year, I think, right.
1: Yeah, so it's it's really risky when you get one of these injuries because anything that happens outside the facility, it doesn't just have to be being stupid. It can be just working out as right. you would lifting weights. When Nick Chubb does some of these lifts, that could be the Browns just going, "Hey, we ain't going to pay you. Your problem. Right. You right. snap your leg. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And
0: yeah.
1: it's you see some of this stuff just for social media and all of something. And you think is it really worth it? Right. Um, It's probably not, but yeah. Well, yeah,
0: but, you know, football players in general, maybe not the best risk decision, you know, analysis, right? Because it's a violent sport and, you know, these guys end up in a lot of uh, compromising situations. So I want to get to this question from from, uh, Jack McCurry because I think it kind of frames the discussion for kind of where we've been and where we're headed. They've already made two trades, right? They traded Tyrone Wheatley Jr. to the uh, Patriots for Pierre Strong Jr., classic Jr. for junior trade uh that that helps both teams to win win uh today obviously they trade a seventh round pick in um 2025 uh to the chargers for dustin hopkins who had just lost the kicking battle and we will get to both of those moves we'll talk to jack about both of those moves i want to answer this question from another jack from one jack to another uh do you see another trade coming in the next 24 hours before the cutdown deadline
1: I had two in my prediction piece that was published uh, the early hours American time. I think it was 3.30 uh, mm-hmm. East Coast time because, uh, mm-hmm. hey, I, I live different life to the rest <laughs> of the OBR crew. So I can wake up and publish stuff when uh, they're all comfortably in bed. Um, so I'll start with the least contentious one with Nick Harris. Um, I think there is a spot for him that someone would want to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Box, He's a starting think,
0: center in the league.
1: Yeah. The bucks yep. make an awful lot of sense now mm-hmm. ryan jensen and who knows i haven't looked enough at the bucks to know did they know this sort of three months ago and they're already right. prepared and ahead of this um but it's one that they can do different things so i would say there's probably a team out there that would want to take a shot on him and mm-hmm. it could be one that no one's ready to take a shot so the browns just leave him on the 53 because It is a really wide battle for me, that O-line 10, where they could just go, we'll hold him for now. Because it might be us that needs the center because someone goes down Mm -hmm. or someone else offers. So um,
0: Yeah, what it puts, I mean, specific to Nick Harris, it does put the Browns in a little bit of a situation if Ethan Posich struggles or is hurt, because now you're starting a sixth-round rookie at center in a year where you have really high expectations, right? So, uh, you know, I know that Michael Dunn, if he does return, has some center flexibility. Uh, you know, there might be other ways that they could solve that problem, but it would be a little bit strange considering how much depth they have elsewhere to put, you know, the fate of the offensive line to a certain extent. I mean, we saw what happened, the drop from Posich to Yelda Froholt last year and how much that affected not only the center, but the guards around him. And it really, it really affected their run game. So I, I, I think the, the case for keeping Nick Harris is essentially keep that veteran, you know on the team so that if something were to happen to postage either performance or injury related you have another option
1: yeah no and it it just makes sense because you can't mess around with that center spot that is the only person right that touches the ball every snap exactly um and so i think it it makes sense to do that and as well pochich is a one-year wonder he's like treated and as was a, much worse like a, yeah Three quarters of a year wonder. <laughs> That's right. Um, yes. Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. treated like some safe bet, and we just right. don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one that who knows. At the end of this season, we might be sat there going, "He's the odd man out." We'll, we'll move on from him. Right. So right. Um, well, and they
0: and they did give Luke Whippler plenty of work at guard during the preseason. So you would feel comfortable with him working as a backup guard as well. So there's a little bit of versatility there. So it's not. It's not three pure centers. But Posich and Harris are pretty much pure centers. We we remember what happened in Nick Harris's rookie season when he filled in at guard and got absolutely annihilated by, I think it was the Giants. Uh, so, um, okay, any any I other any I other trade candidates Pogic, you think from the Browns roster? I think
1: Pocic and that has actually played a little bit guard in his time. So are right, be with years the, time. the Seahawks. That's a good point. Replace Teller. Yeah. White, right. White, White, Luke Reupler steps up. A little right. bit of a planning for the year's time. The yes. other one, Austin Watkins um i know lots of fans want to see him on the team we've had some interesting stuff from brad Steinbook in our um Re- insider central today um with some news on that but i think that's one that it makes a lot of sense based on sort of you help me out because i don't get the uh, the brown style broadcast when kc game <laughs> yeah but the words from Depot was like, hey, Grant's ahead and doing well. Yeah. Then you have the Andrew Berry, less sort of hyped up as he was, as like Diabate uh-huh. compared yep. to um, mm. Watkins. And with Goodwin coming back, I think that's one way he's actually on the outside. Um, mm. And lots of people are super hyped on Watkins. And it's like, hey, compared what he's done to David Bell. David Bell had to play starting level cornerbacks last year. Austin Watkins either has played backup corners or corners that aren't good enough. They're not even going to be on an NFL roster in a couple of days' time. I think that's one where it's important to judge what they're up against. And if we look, Austin Watkins, even in the KC game, didn't come in early. And that's a telling sign that's not positive um, for his trajectory. So if someone's going to give us a future pick, I'll happily take that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's similar to the Tyrone Wheatley situation, right? Where this is a player that coming into camp, you would have never expected a player like that could be a trade candidate. And then they they play themselves onto a roster by playing so well during the preseason that the team knows they can either trade them for something or keep them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. That's The walk-in situation is definitely one to watch. Um, in terms of trades from other organizations, bringing other players in, do you see anything like that transpiring over the next day? Lots of people asked about Cordero Patterson.
1: Um, $4.25 is what you would inherit on that deal. I don't see that. That would be the 19th most expensive running back in the league. If he's cut, I think that's someone that they could go after. But on my prediction, I had a kicker coming in and I had a running back coming in. I think they're at the point now where you've got Chubb, then you've got Ford, and for me, Strong's an upgrade on Felton. I Mm -hmm. still think there's a space there because you're talking about um, Strong has ten career rushes for a hundred yards, which actually hey, give me that efficiency all day long. Right, ten yards for carry. Nick Chubb, we don't even need you anymore. If uh, Strong's <laughs> going to give us ten yards every single carry, Um, yeah. but then Felton, uh, not Felton, um, Ford, yeah, four, six, eight carries. I think it's eight carries. They're both for unproven.
0: Yards. Yeah, they're both unproven. Yep.
1: I want someone better, whether it's a Cordero Patterson, whether it's Dearness Johnson shakes out, but I'm not mm. sure he will because teams tend to keep four running backs across the league. So that's one that there needs to be someone who's a fifth running back to be let go. Um, playoff Lenny. It, that That guy is guaranteed you January football. If you have Playoff Lenny on your roster, you play in the playoffs. If, if I only have to pay two and a half million to guarantee a Browns playoff game, don't <laughs> sound bad.
0: Yeah. I, so, so, so generally speaking, you don't, you don't see another trade coming for like adding a player to the roster. I, 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 cause I kind of wonder about, depending on the situation with Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas, if they feel they need to add somebody at the edge position. And then the other one would be with the Denzel Ward injury and how, how they feel about their depth cornerbacks, could there be something there? But those are just the two off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think they could look at that. I think the challenger edge, if they want to bring right back this year, you can't really add someone. So right. part of me is like, hey, we'll keep Maurice Hurst. And he gets us through to the bye week. and then Yeah, at the he, bye could, week, he could bump out, especially
0: session. in rundowns, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I think they're, they're in a really, really nice spot. Mm. Um there is a free agent that caught my eye, um, Dennis Kelly. Um, I think it was previously with the Colts, but he's been with the Eagles this preseason. Minimum deal, mm-hmm. and that's one that hey, we're talking about sort of a tenth o line. Move Hudson into guard, bring him in as that gives you a really solid swing tackle. That hey, if someone goes down week one, dwan Jones has shown some flashes, but we don't know enough yet. Whereas you bring him in, you just feel a lot safer. And I know you've been a fan of bringing in an extra tackle
0: yeah i think it's it's from the perspective of having seen kind of a fair amount of james hudson uh even in this preseason and just not seeing the kind of development that you you know you hoped right you you kind of think guy has moved from the defensive line to the offensive line he he comes into a, a bill callahan system he's been here a few years now you know this is his third year He's had some starting experience so he's he's seen it a little bit now does he kind of start to build on that does he change his body you know does he kind of develop into that player that you think could start in a pinch and i haven't really seen that and so you know when you compare and contrast especially with this second team offensive line you know what hudson looks like and then what dewan jones looks like you realize part of this is just physical right bigger guy stronger i mean obviously nobody's bigger than dewan jones but but hudson struggles with size and so um, you wonder if it makes more sense for him naturally to to push inside to guard, be an athletic pulling guard, uh, you know, a longer term backup in that situation. And then you're in the market for a, a tackle, so you know, uh, you could potentially, like you said, a Dennis Kelly, and then Hudson becomes your third or fourth guard, depending on how this all shakes out. Now, it's worth talking about. We, we have kind of talked all offseason, or certainly through the preseason, they've got four backup guards that they really like well as of tonight they have zero backup (laughs) guards because they they released Colby Gossett yesterday and then they waived slash released Michael Dunn today and we'll get into that in just a minute and then they released Wes Martin who is a veteran and could also return because he's not subject to waivers uh and then they uh put Drew Forbes on the non-football injury list and I don't even know where that non-football injury came from I the last I heard he had a back injury from practice, but you you kind of felt really comfortable about their guard depth. They currently have, unless you count Luke Whipler, they've got Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio on the roster. So now we think, Jack, we think that Michael Dunn is 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 not subject to waivers, right, and is eligible to... So he is, the feeling is, probably the guy that they cut with the handshake-wink deal to bring back Wednesday after Alex Wright or Isaiah Thomas, or Jordan Kanasic have been placed on injured reserve, right?
1: Yeah, so I had to reach out left, right, and center, and hey, even Tom Palacero didn't know this when he put it right. out. It's Usually confusing. you would look at accrued seasons, and that would be there. There is a rule somewhere in free agency and waivers according to Jason uh, over the cap, and then Texans cap, who also helps out there. I literally reached out to all the cap people and went, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and even some of them were like, We don't get this. And then they dug in and found some more stuff. But effectively, he has a credited season because he spent nine games on the Janky practice squad in 2018. And the credited season then allows him to avoid waivers. So a really niche rule that you'll probably never hear of again. But this is what allows him to get cut on his birthday. Um, And uh, my favourite thing from this whole thing is why didn't the social media team post this? Do you honestly think like every social media post the Browns do that yeah. they they send it to Andrew Berry in the morning for approval as if he's not got enough on his plate already but
0: well cer- certainly uh you know it's not going to be for the backup guard right i mean and and we i think we've seen enough from the social media team from the Browns to know that they are not always the most aware i guess is the best way to say that um so so jack you share that expectation then that that Michael Dunn is is probably the player to return um one of the players that could potentially return i think west martin is in that boat too for for what it's worth and colby gossip because they're all they're, they're all authors three guards none of them are on waivers and and drew forbes is on the injured list so it feels like one or two of those guys will be rejoining the roster later in the week right
1: yeah so it makes a lot of sense and i would keep an eye on matthew adams as another target for that um makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense because i know john dorsey went full out and he did greg robinson do your starting left tackle, cut him, and then see <laughs> okay. if you will resign. Ballsy, right. and I appreciate right. it. And that was to get Drew Forbes onto IR. Um, Andrew Berry did Joe Jackson, who was actually subject to waivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but they obviously felt, hey, he can pass through and he'll come back. No one, no one's that desperate for him, which is fair enough. And I doubt they were that worried if he went elsewhere because they went right to the bottom of the roster. Um, but if you went and did Matthew Adams and said, look, we're going to let you go. You can re two days' time wink, wink, nudge, nudge, see you, see you soon. Don't bother unpacking, leave your stuff in the dressing room. We're all good. So right. it's one, because you want to do players that if someone came in and made a crazy offer for, they're not going to go. Right. Um, right. But at the same time, you don't want to lose Matthew Adams, but if you lost Matthew Adams, no one's crying right. over it. Right. Um, so I think he makes a lot of sense. And then beyond that, who knows they can move around if they're still looking to bring in a running back Drop three, add another one. Um, right. And it's why I focus on the week one 53, not the initial, because there's always some funky stuff. We've had like five tight ends one year. Right. Um, I think the first two years of Andrew Berry would had eight uh, defensive linemen, each of the two initial years, and then it bumps up. Um, so there's always some
0: moving pieces. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to shout out uh, Charlie Chuck here for a, a very generous donation Thank you for your support. No question. Uh, just to cheers, uh, which is great. We, we cheers you back. I wish I had a beer to cheers you with, but I don't at the moment. Um, all right. So, uh, I guess we should, we've avoided talking about it for the first 20 minutes of the show. Let's talk about the kicker situation because, uh, I think we all got to a point where what two weeks ago after the Washington game, um, really even after the Philadelphia game, there was a little bit of fear, right? That, uh, they might not actually get rid of this guy because they were so vocal about supporting him. And I think, you know, they did that, you know, I think probably cause they don't want to burn the bridge. And if, if York wants to be on the practice squad, I think they would allow him that opportunity. Uh, but, but they were, they were very supportive. They, you know, and, and there were no back channel, nothing, no rumors. It just felt like they might ride with this guy and it just never really got straightened out. We know what happened on Saturday with, a a weird situation where it seemed like he was run into, but he wasn't really run into.
1: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole
0: new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're
1: going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. You know, and and, uh, then he gets the last second kick blocked and, you know, the, the coach confirms... In the press conference on Sunday, that the trajectory was too low for a kick of that distance. And so it becomes, by that point, it starts to feel pretty clear that they're going to have to move on. And they do move on today. Now, the, they have not announced the release of Cade York. They just, that's that's circulated on social media as reported. But they, the team has not announced it. And so we know from the Kellen Mond situation on Thursday that the team can say that. And whether or not the player appears on waivers, we'll have to wait till 4 o'clock tomorrow. To confirm that because there's also the possibility of a trade right or the possibility that they decide to kick keep two kickers out of sheer uh stubbornness uh so but in the meantime they've traded a seventh round pick next year a 25 seventh round pick so this is really two years from now two drafts ahead uh for dustin hopkins a veteran kicker who's been in the league for over a decade and has uh kicked pretty well in a few different locations he's been kicking indoors the last few years in in los angeles but kicked for a long time in Washington, which is a, a, a notoriously bad field and uh, you know, an older stadium. So I think some comfort there with his his level of comfort with the elements. Uh so Jack, just kind of walk me through how this has been for you and kind of, you know, where you land on they they we I know that you were one of the most vocal critics for them deciding to to pick a kicker in the fourth round. Well now they've not only spent a fourth round pick, but they've spent a seventh round pick to undo the mistake of making the fourth round pick.
1: So, yeah, we can go back to last off-season. I am in no way ever in favour of drafting a kicker, but bygones be bygones. In terms of this season, I think the process has been flawless from the front office. There was no sense adding some just second-rate UDFA to come in and have some fake camp competition so, I was not in favor of that. I'd give it to Kay York, let him do it. And it wasn't until after the Chargers, uh, the, after the Commanders game, where I really went, Yeah, I'm now at the point where I'm, I think he's probably more likely gone here. And that was the game where it, it went, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I think the tides now moved to the other way. Um, wrote the article on nine guys to keep an eye out, um, said, Hey, whoever loses this Chargers competition is probably the one to keep an eye on. And then Nick right. Folt or Matthew Wright, um, and I always said the worst thing they could do at that point is go and get a, U, a free agent that they don't really like. And yep. people said, hey, we need a competition. It was like you can't pay someone $2 million guaranteed. Bring them in and call it a competition against KD York. That is right. a replacement, right. and there is no competition. So it was a case of, oh, let's wait through this. I would much rather get whoever loses the Chargers battle, Nick Falk, someone like that, than – go out and get a Robbie Gold or someone that is eh, probably a little washed potentially. Um, so I think the process was really good. they brought him in. They've got two years left on the deal. The reason why some people have been, why would you trade for him? He was going to get cut. There's about five teams needing kickers. So you've got to get ahead of that um, competition. I'd have loved Dicker the kicker um, <laughs> 100% in the regular season last year yeah. from anything under 50 yeah. yards. But why would they release that guy? Um, so they've taken on um D Hop. Hey, everyone wanted D Hop, you've got D Hop, and uh, unlike DeAndre, he might actually outperform his contract. Um, so uh, no, I'm speaking I'm, of
0: which, yeah, walk us through that contract because he's got two more years, right?
1: Yeah, so he's got two years left on his deal. Um, this year, let me just pull up the
0: cash, it's like two, two two and a half, right?
1: Um, 2.4 plus a bit of change this year, and then just over $3 million for 2024. But there's no guarantees in next year's deal, so it's not one where they have to keep holding him. Um, okay. But it, it's it's a nice upgrade. He, yeah. 85% the last three years as an average. Um, Cade York was at 75%. The league average last year was 85%. So if he just gives us an average, that's all I want. Um, right. and, and there 80- will be misses. Right. 85% means three out of right. 20 aren't going in. And that's right. perfectly normal. That was Justin Tucker last year as well.
0: Yeah. And I think the key is there are going to be misses with any kicker, but with, with a veteran who's done it for this long, you don't worry about him spiraling into the same sort of psychological turmoil that obviously Cade York was in, right? If, if York had turned it around, I think we all still would have worried every time he missed one during the regular season that he was going to go off completely and go back to being a 50% kicker, which is how he finished last year. Now, uh, you know, um Hopkins has done this for so long that you you expect that even if he does have a miss, which he will, right, every kicker misses, that he bounces back and then stripes the next one because he's had he has the process down. And so I think that's the biggest part of of going from uh, a a second-year player in Cade York to a, a veteran like this is, regardless of the name, really what you're what you're paying for here is a guy that is a pro, right? And the guy that will go out there every week and have that kind of mentality of forget the last one, we're on to the next one, and and then hit it hit it true the next time. And that's to me that's the advantage of paying the seventh round pick, which is you know about as meaningless as you can get in the world of draft compensation and you know then the the salary which is more obviously than Cade York is making but what you're paying for is is a little bit more confidence that that kicker is not going to enter a protracted slump and you know it, it's worth saying also that you know the browns with this offense should be uh, as aggressive if not more aggressive on fourth downs and so that also mitigates uh, especially longer range kicks mitigates the number of times that you put a kicker in those sorts of situations because if it's fourth and 3 from from their 40 you want that you want to be going for that in my mind you know you don't want to be trying a 57 yard field goal from there so uh I, I think overall it positions the browns to have kicker just be something that you don't have to worry about whereas through the second half of the training camp and preseason it was the main thing that we worried about so glad that that has kind of been solved i do wonder jack if they asked what the what the price tag on Cameron Dicker was at the same time. It's the same call, right? So you got to imagine when Andrew Berry called up Tom Telesco, he said, you know, what do you want for each of those guys? And then it's kind of like when you go to the, uh, you know, when you go to your, your favorite grocery store and you know, you've got two cans of soup and it's like, they look like the same can of soup and one's a $1 dollar cheaper. I guess I'll buy the cheaper soup. I don't know. No, I'm I'm sure
1: they know the price of everyone. Um, yeah. Thomas Dimitrov um did a section on Super Sports, and he said the Browns research team or whatever they were called is yeah. unparalleled across the NFL. For they are calling every team, and it's not just Andrew Berry. They've got team of people calling the agents, calling the other teams. They want to know the price on every single person, not just the guys they're after, the guys they're not after, because that then impacts everything else because if someone's getting traded for a sixth then suddenly right the guy you're after might go right. for a sixth. so if you can get him for a seventh now do it um right. so yeah it's it really really smart information is power
0: right it's it's price discovery in a market where it's unclear what you know the value of a lot of the assets are right so so knowing what those are worth then that helps you know what your players are worth in trade negotiations i think that really bears out in that trade for with tyler tyron wheatley jr right understanding that this is a fourth round pick from the patriots last year they don't love him obviously they were not enamored with him and they have a needed tackle if you know all that information then you can ask bigger you know you can ask for more right and so you never are in that situation where you're leaving anything on the table they're probably maximizing their return on any given trade the same thing with the josh Dobbs trade frankly knowing the situation the cardinals were in allowing them to kind of you know, leverage that into, a, I think, a pretty good return, uh, even if it was a pick swap. So, um, all right, so let's talk big picture for the Browns roster. You said we're down to 71, so that means another that's 18. That's if Woods is gone. Right, right, okay, if that, that's it. and we think he is, we think he is. So, so that's another 18 cuts to come tomorrow, uh, and that would get us down to 53. Now, so almost at this point, you're at the full roster and practice squad, right? Because Sixteen players on the practice squad. So they're getting into kind of the final group, and there haven't really been, as you said before, any surprises. So so kind of walk us through uh maybe the top three decisions uh of players on the roster. So sort of this guy or this guy, uh choosing between A or B that you think they're they're still maybe working on over the next uh you know twelve to twenty four hours. So I think the most
1: intriguing for me is Bell versus Hickman. Um, we've seen the talk of well, does AJ Green come into that mix? Um, but I think he's guaranteed 900,000. Um, I don't think you're making that level of commitment unless you love the guy. They could always trade him, um, right. and that is always the carry out I throw out with this. That I'm sat here going, Well, you're not getting rid of him as in a cut, but if they get an offer for AJ Green, they love suddenly you can right. trade that guy off. Right. And I think Bell versus Hickman, beyond that O-line 10 we've spoke about, the next one up is definitely that spot, especially after the linebacker injury to Kunisic, which puts Fields into the debate because we had an interesting one field, Diabate, where does that go? But yeah, Bell versus Hickman is one that I've heard lots of people say, hey, they'll just keep five. But I, I, I don't see it. I, I see Hickman on the practice squad. Um, yeah. I think Bell's just got to get it. That I, I usually ignore everything coaching staff say. Um, <laughs> I don't listen to press conferences. I don't care about them. But you get odd insights where the fact that he wasn't prompted, Bubba Ventrone, and he just went – you would have thought he's like his adopted son or something. It was, sure. It was phenomenal sort of how positive he was about him. And it wasn't Kunisic. Um, Adams, Ford, and and those all three were mentioned, but didn't get the same level where he was just so positive about him. And if there's four positions on a roster you look at and go, that's more special teams than defense, linebacker five, linebacker six, DB nine, DB 10. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I I think Bell's got to be ahead of Hickman. Um, And that doesn't mean the end for Hickman. I'll point out AJ Green did not make the roster as a UDFA. People forget this. He right. made the practice squad and then was elevated later. Right.
0: Yeah. So. So. Yeah. I think safety linebacker, as you mentioned, I still think what happens in the defensive tackle room will be interesting because I think they've got a strong case to keep five, um, which you know is 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 heavy. You know, it's, it would be a heavy room, uh, but you kind of compensate for that because of the short-term IR situation with the the defensive ends. Uh, the wide receiver position, I think, continues to be interesting just because not just in terms of who makes the team, but I think interesting to see what happens to those players. As much uh, you know as as Austin Watkins has gotten love, Mike Harley is another player that I think I think I could see the team wanting to keep around for another season on the practice squad. So watching that one as well, and then you know we've already talked about the running back situation uh, I think at, at length, and so that's that's one to keep an eye on. The other the other question that I have. Uh, you know, sort of the undeclared status of Harrison Bryant. You know, it's it's never easy with these medical conditions, right? Because the team sort of legally cannot disclose what's going on with him. But uh, there was some talk last week that he was close to returning. He has not. Uh, you wonder if that becomes a factor in some of their decision-making. Do they feel that they need to keep a fourth tight end because Harrison Bryant won't be ready to start the season?
1: Yeah, so the one thing that's left me positive throughout with Harrison Bryant is... I've not seen any notification that he's moved to the (laughs) non-football illness list, which is something that you would naturally do um, with a player. Just to, It's just part of the process. So I think that's led me always to believe, hey, he's coming back soon. Um, Yeah, it's one there. In terms of wide receivers, I think Mike Harley is definitely in with a shot of the practice squad. And I think the other one is someone mentioned in the chat, Darden. Um, yep. I was of the mindset of like, I, I didn't think Grant was going to make the roster. Obviously, I think listening in hindsight to that um, interview information you passed away, you, you definitely seemed like he was the next man up behind Goodwin and ha- so excited to have him back. But I felt a Grant or a Darden on the practice squad makes a lot of sense, even if it is just to practice special teams right. and have him as a the return guy while your mm-hmm. guy's try and tackle him, because any of these guys on the practice squad, they're not getting called up to play offensive and defensive snaps. If someone goes down, you call someone up off the practice squad to go and play special teams because the guy that you have on your roster is then asked to step up and play offensive or defensive snaps. So the chances of any of these guys that make the practice squad playing anything other than special teams this year, very, very, very low. So I'd say that's an important thing to keep in mind. It's what these guys can do on specials more
0: than what they can do on the offensive and defensive side. I think that is good to remind people. It's so often the end of the roster and then the practice squad decisions, the special teams dimension is so hard to quantify. And obviously, you know, important to keep in mind that they have changed special teams coordinators. So a lot of the previous guys, special teams players that he maybe liked are, you know, up for grabs, I think a little bit with, with the change. This is completely unrelated to football or the Browns, but I was getting a little bit of heat for saying that you try and save money on soup earlier in the comments, and then I saw Fumble Thirteen make a comment about my drapes, which I think is he's talking about this thing, which is not drapes. This is a rug that's hanging. This is a tapestry, Fumble, and the fact that you don't know the difference between drapes and a tapestry, really, I think speaks to your level of sophistication. So I think I'll leave that there. But uh, there's no window there. That's just a that's that's wall art and uh, I will have you know it cost a pretty penny. All right, Jack. um, You had a tweet earlier tonight about uh, players that have already been cut that are of interest to you. Kind of walk people through some of the names that have already piqued your interest of players that are out there that the Browns could either add to the practice squad or the active roster.
1: Yeah, so I've mentioned a couple in Dennis Kelly at tackle and Michael Dunn at guard. One that was a big favourite of mine throughout, was Joshua Carlu at He's a safety slash slot corner hybrid and was with Tennessee last year. So important, ticks a box, Swartz connection. He was somebody that Rodney McLeod was my first go-to in free agency, ahead of Thornhill, and money, value, everything else. Um, but we've got each of them. So there is no spot to go and... It's not a go out and sign him, put him on the 53, because I still think you keep a bell or something over that. Yeah. But if he's open to going on the practice squad, he's not played that many snaps. He had a handful of snaps in 2020 and 2021. And then 2022, he played about 500 off the top of my head. Really, really good special teamer as well, though. So that's a really nice piece that Schwartz could go, yeah, I know that guy, he's great. Bubba Ventron could look at his tape and go, hey, he's done well on specials. That could be an interesting one to go into group, especially if say Hickman potentially mm-hmm. gets claimed by somebody else. Right. Or Hickman just decides, I want to go and sign for someone else's practice right. squad. Because right. that's something to keep in mind. And we've like people have said, oh, bring back Schwartz, bring back KD York. Why do those guys ever want to come back to Cleveland? Right. Go to a team where the fan base is already against you. You mm-hmm. want to go somewhere else. I think Schwartz to Kansas City makes a lot of sense. Cade York potentially in 49ers. And if Dimitri Felton is gone, I think 49ers and the Shanahan scheme would be the ideal fit for his skill set.
0: See, Jack is so into this stuff that he's not going to just tell you who's going to make the Browns roster. He's going to tell you which ex-Browns will go to other teams and which teams they will go to. So that's the level of analysis that we're getting here. Um, Yeah, I think think Kalu is a name that is really interesting to me, especially because... I think one potential answer to uh, the cornerback injury situation, the Denzel Ward concussion protocol, is do they do they play a little bit more three safety? Now, you know, that wouldn't involve Joshua Kalu, but if you're gonna if you're gonna have Delpit, McLeod, and Thornhill out there for, you know, 20, 30 percent of snaps, then you're gonna need another active safety uh, that you feel comfortable coming onto the field if there's an injury or just for depth. So that's that's one that I think is interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, the other player that, that got, this got a lot more buzz yesterday, cause I think this was announced yesterday, but the bears moved on from Alex Leatherwood. And that's a player that I, I, you, you certainly don't want the Browns taking on his existing contract, but, but if he were to become a free agent, if he were to pass through waivers unclaimed, uh, that's, that is a situation where I think there is room on the Browns roster, even on the active roster, frankly, for a, a, a tackle of his, uh, natural set. Uh, talk about a reclamation project. Now we just saw Tyrone Wheatley join the Browns from the uh, from the free agent. He was a street free agent last September, and so in less than twelve months, the Browns turned that player into you know uh, a player that was selected in the fourth round last year. So that's talking about asset creation. I think a player like Alex Leatherwood, with his track record, not only would there be a potential for trading him for something, but there would also be the potential of him becoming a starter for this team down the road. So, uh, you know, that sort of raw material in Bill Callahan's hands is, is intriguing to me.
1: Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. As you said, you you wouldn't touch him. You allow the player to go through waivers. and Once they've gone through waivers, all that guaranteed money just sits with the Bears. If the Browns then sign him, they would get an offset. So effectively, say, the first million is paid by us, and then that the dead cap that the Bears would have is then balanced off. So it's one that you just sign him then to the minimum, and you roll with him. But I think that's an ideal candidate. And hey, I, I would ins- I would cut Nick Harris to bring in um, Leatherwood on a, a min deal with no guarantees, just to see if it works out. And if it don't work out, fine. I'm not right. concerned. And um, go that another one potentially for the practice squad running back, Xavion Zav- Knight. Oh and- sure, yep. Zonovan Knight. I don't I don't know how the first is. Yeah, Zonovan.
0: That's right. Zonovan. But
1: a nice small sample um, is one that I wouldn't put him on the 53. I'm I'm still looking for something a little special, but um I think he's got a, a he's got a skill set that's useful. Bring him in and let's see what he does. And I'm really happy to just constantly churn that practice mm. squad and look for guys. And the thing is, don't get too excited about a guy that signs for practice squad because if he's really good. He might not land on your 53. Some other team will be looking and going, hey, we'll go grab that guy. Because if I lose an offensive lineman during the season, I'm not looking at free agency. I'm looking at the Browns practice squad and going, oh, yeah, right. I'll have Wes Martin. I'll have Kobe Gossett, whoever it is. Right. Bring that guy in because you've got the built-in value that they have spent significant time with Bill Callahan, And that will naturally cross over.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a question from Does it matter, uh, which is apropos considering we're talking about the end of the roster here. Uh, what's the skinny on Diabate? Are they uh, seriously going to get rid of him to keep Elliot? Um, and so, you know, I, I think probably not a one to one there. Uh, I I think based on Andrew Berry's comments during the game on Saturday, he was on the preseason game coverage in the third quarter, and he said he said that he was Diabate was in a very good position. Uh, going into cutdown, so I, you know, to me, that felt like a, a kind of a wink and a nod that he is on this roster for special teams' ability, but also I think because I think they see he has the skill set athletically to translate into a starting linebacker for this team, given what this team, the scheme, I should say, what the Jim Schwartz scheme, uh, asks for out of its linebacker. So, Jack, talk a little bit about that end of the r- uh, linebacker room and and kind of where you see. Uh, Diabate stacking up with the other uh, end of the end of the lock, uh, linebacker room uh, candidates. Easy for me it, to say.
1: Yeah, no, it's funny. We only have to go back a month, and Browns fans were crying out, "We need a linebacker. Linebacker is essential." And then before the KC game, we're sat there going, "Hey, there's seven, and someone's the odd man out." Um, and just based on the way I stack it and where Bubba sort of with the end of the roster and special teams sat, for me, it was very much Fields versus Diabate. Um, and that was one that I was going back and forth in. It was like, I've reached out to Anthony Reinhardt. I want to see the order in these guys go into the game. It was like, it was really down to the wire between them. And I was probably leaning more with Diabate and going, hey, just give me the guy with three years of cheap, cheap deal before we even get into that fourth year, which is still controlled by the team, but slightly more expensive. Then, unfortunately, the Kunisic injury. So, I think we're at a point now where we know the six. um, They kept six all the way throughout. Other than last season, there was a little time when they dropped to five to get Mond on and balanced it out with other spots. But six were active every single week. So even when Kunisic was on the practice squad, he was still getting called up and playing. Um, So I expect this one that he is on the roster. The Jordan Elliott one, I have a tweet prepared (laughs) for when he is still on the fifty-three just to go to Brown's Twitter, because I've heard it all, and hey, this isn't me. I would have got rid of Jordan Elliott last year, but Jordan Elliott is on this team, and he is making the 53, and I don't think it's even been a, it's not even been a debate for me. It's been a name I've written in pen from the second that um, reworking of the deal happened. So um, yeah, he's one that he he is on the team, Um, and it was fascinating the fact that he came out, I believe he took a knock, Been told, but he's only mm. been playing like 12 snaps per game. He's been treated like the likes of Dalvin Tomlinson, etc. Whereas Maurice Hurst is still in there battling late in a game, um, and that, that is telling. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would have got rid of him, Yeah, but he's making this team.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was strange at the time, especially given the amount of depth that they added to the room, because it felt like they foreclosed the possibility of moving on, which I I thought was strange. It's weird. Anytime this front office paints himself into a corner like that, it always it takes me aback because it, they usually are so good at preserving their options. Uh, so to to take the option of cutting him off the table without, you know, sacrificing a fair amount of money is, you know, I interesting to me, but. You know, I I think it's also clear that this this front office does a really good job of taking input from the coaches. And I think it could be as simple as Jim Schwartz said, you know, in in May or whenever that happened. Yeah, I can work with that guy. He can, you know, that. Yeah, he'll be around this year. And that's all they needed to hear to put themselves in a relatively better financial position in terms of, uh, you know, his contract and the cap. And so it is what it is. I don't think any of us are particularly happy about it, but uh, we move on from that. so, okay, we're looking at, like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, a little bit less than 24 hours until this is all sorted out. We will have another live show tomorrow at 7, where instead of talking about what will happen, we'll talk about what did happen. And so same show, but uh, sort of a different attitude tomorrow when, you know, all these answers will will be in front of us, except that when we'll ju- then we'll just be talking about who makes it through waivers and who they claim on waivers, and, it, you know, it just goes on and on. But we will be back again tomorrow night at 7 to discuss the decisions that the Browns do make. So, Jack, uh, before we wrap up here, just um, maybe talk about you know something that you're expecting to see tomorrow that might you know be the most sort of newsworthy move of the day, but but it's not one that you'll be surprised by. And then you know I know that you you are you know very much into the prediction game, but try try it break out of that box for a second and think about one that would really surprise you that could happen tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so let's just go quick find names that are on the team currently that I don't see being on the initial 53. So guys that I've got going, Mon's out, Kelly's out, Hall's out, Felton's out, Harley's out, Watkins is gone, Woods is moved to another list, Darden's out, Mitchell Payden's out, uh, Sam Kamara's out, Martin's actually outperformed Phelps. An interesting one that I didn't see coming. One to keep in mind when we get down to practice squad. Hill's out. Togia is out. Um, I think Adams will be out, but coming back. Charlie Thomas will be gone. Burns will be gone. McAllister will be gone, and uh, that's Lorenzo Burns. I'm not getting rid of Jake Burns. That's not a uh, OVR exclusive.
0: <laughs> this cousin, yeah.
1: And I think Hickman's out. Oh, where's the other? Because then you've got Dunn, you've got Adams. I'm not sure where that final... It could be someone like Shelby Harris, in all honesty. So don't be right. surprised if you see a Shelby Harris cut. Um, That could be one that you, you see as a, what the hell has gone on? Has Andrew Barry lost his mind? Has this been misreported as a Shelby Harris cut rather than Nick Harris cut? That's the sort of guy, or even a Rodney McLeod, where you can cut him and then just bring him straight back. Um, it could be someone as sub- substantial as that. Um, one completely from left field.
0: I know you can do it. Ah, uh, <laughs> I, I think it'd be like a
1: trade, someone yeah. like a, yeah. a Del Pitt. And Elliot and AJ Green, mm-hmm. um, I'm just trying to look through this. D- DPJ is not happening. Um, right. y- we're blessed at wide receiver. For years, I've said let's have three. We've now got four. Um, I don't count Tillman and Bell in that yet. One day, hopefully. But I'm f- so happy to see that there. Um, I th- I think one of them. Yeah, AJ Green, Grant Delpit and elliot i think mm-hmm. grant delpit is probably up there for expectation versus what's actually going to happen this yep. season the yep. biggest shock to brown's fans mm-hmm.
0: uh yeah i think that's a that's a that's a good summary i would say as far as things that i i expect to happen that you know i think people will be surprised by uh i have you know really kind of come around on the the austin watkins not making the team just because i think You know, over time, it has become clear that this team, it doesn't seem, wants to keep seven wide receivers, and he would obviously be number seven. Uh, That plus the comments about Jakeem Grant over the weekend tells me that that they've got Watkins on the outside looking in. Um, You know, and I I think uh, similar to that, I I wouldn't, you know, move out. I don't think they would ever raise to the level of trading for a returner, but I, I wouldn't rule out a waiver claim. Uh, for a, a, a player that has more returnability, ability uh, because it seems like something that they have prioritized, the Jakeem Grant signing, keeping Jalen Darden around this long. Uh, you know and, and I think with the new special teams coordinator, they might want to try and maximize that piece of the game. So uh, that's one. And I do think there is one more trade. I think the Browns have one more trade up their sleeves to bring a player in. It could be a player for player swap, you know, Nick Harris. We've talked about those names earlier, but I do think that the Browns I want to add one more piece of depth uh, on the defense likely um and so that's that's one that I'll be looking for uh for tomorrow but you know it, with with trades all of that stuff it's hard to predict right but uh, they've already pulled off three so I think they I think Barry's on a little bit of a heater right now and has you know one more trick up his sleeve for tomorrow that I think will you know kind of have everybody's attention I think there will be one more sort of centerpiece move uh for this little flurry of activity that's kind of carried us through the weekend so all right jack i know it's late for Uh, you Uh, you want to make one more point wrap us up here bucks have some depth at running back so
1: i want to keep an eye on Um, tucker i I like him i don't think they'd be willing to let us have him for nick harris trade but could happen and just on seven wide receivers people go hey you you're predicting one extra running back why is that more important to go from three to four than say six to seven wide receivers if we go back to last year, we only saw five active wide receivers on the roster, and that's counting Felton as one of those five. Um, traditionally, you're always going to see at least two running backs out there. Um, An occasion, you might see a little dashing of a third. The same way we're then talking about wide receivers, you only really see three wide receivers out there, and then maybe a gadget or something, you might see a dash of number four. Or suddenly, you've got two more guys on the active roster, that you don't expect to play, maybe a little bit special teams, but nothing. You've got one guy at running back that is an extra guy that is usually actually active, plays special teams, plays something else. And that's why when you go, that fourth running back is so much closer to playing than a seventh-wide receiver. A seventh-wide receiver is about as much chance of playing as Kellen Mond did last year for the
0: Browns. <laughs> it's uh, not likely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, so a little bit of Kellen Monslander on our way out the door. Uh, And that's another one, you know, to watch tomorrow. Uh, You know, he's he's probably on his way out, but who, I guess this would be for Wednesday, if they decide to bring anybody onto the practice squad, will be definitely one to watch. So, uh, all right, Jack, thank you so much for all of your insight tonight. Uh, Any final words before we send you off to bed?
1: I'll I'll quote some Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back, keep an eye on tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. So keep it tuned all day tomorrow, uh, on, on Twitter, but also at the, on the website, any moves the Browns make our analysis will be there on the website to break it all down. Uh, and, uh, certainly if it's a larger move, you know, anything like that, we'll, we'll have analysis as soon as anybody else will. So, uh, for, uh, Jack Duffin, thank you so much uh, for joining us from, uh, far into the future, five hours into the future. Thank you to Ian McBride behind the scenes for making us look good And uh, thank you to everybody in the comments. You guys were great. Lots of great questions. Lots of great interactions. We appreciate all of your generosity and participation. You guys make this so much fun to do. For Jack, for Ian, I'm Andrew. We will be back tomorrow night at 7 to break down all the Browns moves. Until then, go Browns. Go Browns.